please give us a follow on Spotify. It really helps out and you will get a notification every time we release a new episode on Monday. Welcome to the Ignition Podcast. Today's guest is Tim Woodford. Tim is the co-founder of the R53 Club. The R53 for me was a hero car. It may be a small, plucky, now German Mini, but growing up and having an affiliation with the Mini, the classic Mini, I, when I could, jumped at the chance to buy an R53 and I found this club. And through the club, I found Tim. And Tim is one of the nicest, most generous guys I think I've ever had the privilege to speak to. Tim is all about giving back. If he's not in his little street queen, he's out helping people build their cars, giving them information, passing them on to the next expert in the R53 space. And if you love minis, if you love quirky little cars, if you love cars in general, this is the podcast for you. Because you're going to learn more about joining a community and the privileges and benefits that comes with that and the community feel and it's all about growing with you and your car and there's something about those cars that speak a different language they breathe a different air and once you learn the quirks of your car and you build a relationship through building the car it's something you've invested your time your money and your effort in and speaking to him about why Tim started the club and the reasons that he loves it and the reasons that he won't stop until he's grown the club to involve everyone. And it's great. And I hope you enjoy the episode. So if you love minis, you love cars, or if you love community, as it gets switched on, here we go. Tim, how are we? Yeah, good. Self? Very good, thank you. So a little question I'd like to start off on the podcast is, what ignited your passion for cars? I don't know, I just always loved cars. Always, yeah, since I was little, just... Yeah, I've just always loved them. I don't know where it comes from. Always seen my old man tinkering about with his cars, bits and bobs like that sort of thing, you know. And um, yeah, just, yeah, just I've always, I've always wanted, wanted one. Never was interested in bikes. Just always wanted to drive as soon as I possibly could sort of thing, you know. So as soon as I was 17, got my license straight away. Within a couple of months, banged it out, sort of passed. And I'd already bought my little minivan from Southern Electricity back then, a 1982 minivan. And I've been yeah. working on it before I'd even passed my test sort of thing, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah, just love them. So as soon as you get your hand on one, it was, you were straight in there? You were straight yeah, in. yeah, yeah, I was lucky. I sort of um, started working part-time at a Fiat dealership and, um, yeah, got on really well with one of the reps there sort of thing. So we was always taking, like, the Fiat Uno turbos out and stuff like that mm. for test drives, you know what I mean, a pair of us during the day. Um, one of the lads worked there and knew a guy that was selling um, an old Southern Electricity minivan so I bought that when I was 16 sort of thing already before I'd even passed, you know, buying some Weller wheels for it and yeah. stuff like that and getting some bucket seats in there and stuff before I'd even sort of pass my tests. So painting some John Cooper work stripes on the bonnet and stuff, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a Mini without some John Cooper work stuff on yeah, it, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, has, has it always been Minis for you? Have you ever had any Fiat's and stuff or is it sort of Mini mini diehard? No, it was always Minis. Um, I owned a minivan. Um, then a um, like an old 1969 Cooper replica thing, and then um, a 1275 GT. Wow. And then um, 
my friend um, that we went through college together doing sort of mechanics and stuff like that, so started off as a mechanic. His brother had an RS600i, and obviously there were pictures of it around the house, and I'd always wanted an RS600i. Yeah. So, yeah, so my next thing was buying like a 1.3 Popular Plus Mark III, like you do Escort, then on to an XR3i, then on to an RS1600i eventually sort of thing. So then the RSs started for me, really, and I just stuck with them for ages through the Series 1 turbos to Friedel Cosworth, back down to the Series 1s again to use the Cosworth as a deposit for our house and just <laughs> nice. stuck with the RSs for years. Yeah, I was lucky, really. Lucky to have owned, yeah, most of the sort of RSs. And, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, really not fun cars. What is it about those for you? Is it the Ford? Is it the, what, what is it, is it the cult following on? Yeah, it was either Vauxhalls or Fords, really. You know, they just, the Vauxhalls never just took my interest. You know, I just like the look of them. Um, and to, for me to own a car, I have to really like it, you know. And um, I think I have this discussion quite frequently with a lot of my more you know, friends now about more modern cars, the Lamborghinis and stuff like that. And it's just not something I would ever buy if I won the lottery tomorrow sort of thing, you know. Or I'd go back to like an Integrale or something like that, you know. Because um, I just, yeah, love them sort of cars that just feel more like, I don't know, old school sort of driver's cars. Did your parents ever have any cool cars that you aspired to have, or was it was it that, or was it just sort of? No, unfortunately, not. no, no. Allegros, Morris Marinas, <laughs> um, yeah, Montegos, all them sort of things. They're the coolest car my dad ever owned was a um, an MG Maestro. Nice. Worked in a factory, my old man, and wasn't very flush, you know. So yeah, just got what you could afford, sort of thing. Kept it simple. Yeah, unfortunately, I even remember one day when he had to sell the Allegro. Because we had to go without a car for a while because we were made redundant. And uh, mm. we were crying my eyes out about him selling this orange Allegro. <laughs> he took us down the beach to buy us an ice cream and try and cheer us up. But I wasn't having none of it. I didn't want the ice cream because he'd sold the car, you know. Get rid of the cars. Uh, worth more to you than an ice cream. Yeah, yeah. It was, we were a carless family then and it was just devastated, you know. Yeah, that's a weird. That's, that's a, that's a, it's, it's interesting because... Do you reckon your sort of passion for cars stems from the fact that you couldn't really have a car or the, the lack of a car? So you're kind of not making up for it, but you're sort of making the most of the cars you can now afford yeah. and can buy. Yeah, I, I don't really know. It's a weird one, isn't it? Um, yeah, I know how devastated I was about it, which is, it sounds like a really silly memory. But just, yeah, I know. And I say, you tried everything to, you know, what little money you had sort of, you know what I mean, for, to try and buy some ice cream or something like that and yeah I just didn't want to I didn't want any of it because we just I just wanted him to have a car but um I remember we sort of we used to walk home from school we sort of entered our what was a cul-de-sac from the top of the uh, the cul-de-sac and uh, our house was right down the bottom so whenever he got a new car I remember me and my brother walking home from school and you'd sort of come to the top of the cul-de-sac you'd come around the corner and you'd see the kind of car your dad bought all excited and run home do you know what I mean yeah. sort of have a sit in the new car sort of thing and that it was and I remember when he first got the marina it was, was really excited about it because it had a clock in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me sound bloody old. You know what I mean? like, it was like, wow, our car's got a clock in it. You know, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, funny. No, it's um, the little things about cars. Even like sort of nowadays, you see the heads up displays. It's almost the same. It's just the, the advancement in technology. And just seeing a, seeing a Bluetooth stereo in a car now is still quite exciting because yeah. it's just a little bit of advanced technology. But where did it stem from there? Where did it go for you? Well, from, yeah, from the after the escorts and that, um, we I, I, I sold my three door Cosworth to put a deposit down in the house, you know, and family life started really. So um, 
again, then we went back to a, um, a one car family rather than me and my wife both having a car. Um, cause yeah, times were sort of hard when you first buying your house and stuff. But even then, um, yeah, I got myself in a bit of trouble with my wife all the time because she would see a car she would like and uh, I would always want to buy like the, the sporty model and usually it was a bit underhandedly me getting it, you know. Uh, maybe she'd come in one day and said she wanted her because she'd seen a Seat Leon she wanted. So, of course, you know, got a loan or whatever we got and then uh, I went out and bought the Cooper R. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's, which, the, it's the same car <laughs> it's the same car which she thought was really lovely and liked the look of but um and soon quickly realized that bombing around during the day as she worked for a local government authority um that it wasn't returning the best miles to the gallon <laughs> as what quite was what she had expected you know <laughs> um with a two liter bam engine and it sort of thing yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I got myself in a bit of trouble there with her, and then um, my second uh, my second child was born, so she wanted a people carrier, so I decided to take myself off to Chelmsford, and then um, we were friends, and we bought um, a Zafira VXR, <laughs> and nice, come, nice. come back with that, and again, you know, uh, yeah, they were terrible, the first ones, because you'd sit in fifth gear on the motorway, um, and there'd be like 3,000 sort of revs at 70 and the, the turbo was just kicking in. So the fuel economy on them again was absolutely shocking. So, uh, yeah, that had to go as well sort of thing. And I think we went to some sensible stuff for a while, you know, until uh, we went back to two cars again and then we could, uh, I could do what I wanted again with cars, you know, get what I wanted sort of thing. Yeah. She quickly learned that you weren't, you weren't going to stop buying quick cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is she used to like a quick car herself to be fair. Cause, um, when we first met, she, um, we both, we bought, I had a red XR3 I, sunburst red XR3 I, and then, um, her, she had an accident on the way to meet me one day. And, uh, so another sunburst red XR3 I came up. So we bought her one as well. So we both have matching sunburst red XR3 eyes. Oh, yeah. But we, cause we both, um, she lived in Worthing at the time. I lived in Gosport. So we rented a house in the middle of Tangmere. So she'd come over on a Friday and we'd bomb back home again, sort of race back home together. And I'd often we'd obviously stop at the traffic lights and I'd sort of shunt up behind her and push her out in front into the red, yeah, in the red light. <laughs> off and on. Much to everyone's dismay around you as I was pushing this young blonde girl, you know what I mean? And me with, oh, you know, six foot two hairy geezer, pushing her out into the red lights with the traffic. It was, yeah, we used to have a good laugh. It was good fun. No, it's amazing the memories you can you can have in a car and sort of what it yeah. what it is for, for you. Is it just the cosmetics or is what, what is a car for you? What, is, what does it evoke in you when, you when you see a cool car? Or... Initially, the aesthetics, really, and, yeah, you know, how it, how it does look, you know, a certain stance, you know what I mean? Or you, yeah, almost that sort of bulldog sort of stance is a stance I always sort of like about a car, you know? Um, yeah, and then, yeah. It doesn't really bother me if it's like super fast. Although you'd always do trend up, end up tending to make them go fast. Yeah, it was like the RS600. I had these lovely skill seats in it, and the bolsters were amazing. You know, I mean, you didn't really need bucket seats; they just yeah. absolutely pinned you in the seat. Um, and I've never seen. I think they came from like the, the Mark One RS1600. There's the similar seats to that. Um, they sort of followed it through to the Mark Threes. I'm not 100% sure about it, but I think that's what happened. And they were lovely. They were better than the Recaros all day long, but they just wore really easily because the bolsters were so big, you know? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, the 
metal four spoke steering wheels or you know all them sort of things that yeah just yeah i don't know i really love it yeah just loved them yeah is it i mean you, you mentioned the whole bulldog stance i'm guessing that's why you've gone for sort of newer minis down the line now and sort of the old the the first gen bmw minis yeah. When when did you get your first sort of R fifty three or R fifty six or whatever you want to call it? Uh, yeah, this is an R fifty three. That's because I'd owned a few of the classics. I was always one of them owners that was like, yeah, them BMW minis. I'll never get one of them. And then um, what did I? We put my first venture back into cars again. I'd gone to see the touring cars um, way back in I think it was like ninety two or something, and there was the BTCC at Fruxton. And then it was the first season they were racing the Volvo Estates, um, the 850Rs. Yeah. I always really, really liked one. I thought, so my first car back, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a Volvo 850R. So, uh, yeah, I went up to Birmingham Way, um, Redditch, and I uh, bought this uh, 850R off this old boy up there um, who owned like a, a, an array of cars, um, not, like a 911, um, some SD1 Rover, stuff like that. And his missus told me I had to sell one. Oh. So he picked the 850R to sell sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I bought that off him. And it was yeah, it was such a fantastic car. And I still, I regret selling that now, to be honest. I really do. Um, but, yeah, and um, then I, we, I bought like a 330M Sport BMW after that to sort of try that out. Um, and then I, my friend was selling an M3, an E46 M3 carbon black. Lovely. I really wanted it, yeah. But so I'd sold the Beamer and started to save up a bit more money to get it. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll buy a little runaround in the meantime. So I thought, I'll just buy an R53 to say I've had one and just try it, you know what I mean? And, yeah. yeah just, it'll be a laugh. Um, and just absolutely fell in love with it, really, weirdly. And the, the M3 never transpired. It's, you know, six years in now with this R53 and a club and... <laughs> and a yeah, club, yeah. And a load of new friends sort of thing, you know. It's, um, yeah, it's been a little bit mental. So, but like you say, with the start, go back to stance again a bit. I've sort of, you know, fitted the sort of most aggressive offset wheels on it I can with the widest width, you know what I mean? Just to try and get that really fat, low stance sort of thing without having to bolt on an aftermarket wide arch kit and stuff. Um, because I went there and it, yeah, it just didn't really work with the R50. It's almost, almost too far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. You said you mentioned the other club. How did, how did that start? Yeah, it's just a bit mad, really. I think we were all on um, some other various clubs, like you are. Like when you buy a car model, you try and get on the clubs and try and find out about stuff. And um, there was one, the biggest one, that was sort of people were on quite frequently. And um, we tried to talk to the owner, the guy who ran the club, who was a Turkish guy who ran it on his own, um, about maybe just trying to help him with some meets over in England and stuff like that, you know. And he really was, wasn't interested in it all. Um, so we decided to sort of, go it alone and start our own one. Me and Chris, we made friends, um, you know, fingers in the air on the internet, like you do sort of thing, because we didn't know each other before the minis. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a little message chat and stuff, and was like, oh, just, we should start our own one and give it a go sort of thing. And just thought we could get 50, 100 mates together, um, attend some shows, do some drive out, stuff like that. Um, it'd be a good laugh. And then, yeah, before we knew it, it just sort of spiralled out of control a little bit, really. Yeah, so how many members have you got now then? I think it's rocking on nineteen thousand now. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been mad. Um we've been really lucky. I always feel really privileged to have been sort of able to do it really. Um because I've just met some met some really amazing people and the members are really great on the club and 
there's always going to be a few spats as there always are, but you know, 99% of the time, everyone's on there to help everyone out. There's people dishing out free parts to help people with broken down cars, going around each other's houses to help them fix cars. Do you know, um, just really what the ethos is about the passion for cars, really. Um, that's what we want. I've just, yeah, met some really amazing friends for it. Yeah, I think that's, that's it was great because the, the half reason I started this podcast was to sort of emphasize the, the community in cars and mm. to insp- inspire those people that have the passion for cars to do more of that passion. So if you were going to tell someone that wanted to start a car club, what advice would you give to those people? Have a, have a plan in your mind of how you want the club to be with the community and the ethos that you want. We've been a bit unwavering with the fact that we won't tolerate abuse of other people on the group. Um, you know, um, and we've stuck with that. And we've caught some flack for it in the early days um, that we were just sort of, you know, kicking people off really because of their their attitude towards other members or taking the mick out of them and belittling them because of their, their style of car. Um, and, yeah, and then slowly but surely I think people picked up on that and realised that, you know, it was a sort of safe place for them as well really. And um, they have run with it. And, you know, yeah, it's, that's, I, think that's, I think that's what I would say. Pick a model that you like if you was going to start a club. But just don't fall into the trap of, like, just letting people belittle others and take the mick out of their, the, their way they want to build their car because it's their car, their hard-earned, their hard-earned money, and they want to do it the way they want to do it, you know? You don't yeah. have to be negative about it. That's great. Yeah, it's sort of don't compromise on sort of the attitude towards towards someone just because they've and that's that's one of the things I think lets the, lets the car community down is everyone yeah. has their 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 way of building a car and sort of having the way they look a car, but at the end of the day, a car is an expression of yourself, isn't it? It's a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's just the people that are so strong willed that they think that their way of building a car is the only way of building a car. Um, but you know, if you want pink fluffy bits on your car and you know it's your car you, you think it looks good to you so let them be you know it's, it doesn't hurt to just scroll past and look at someone else's project that you want to get involved with rather than just going on then to just put a negative comment on their post you know yeah and on the flip side the, the, be- the best members are that you said the better the members that sort of want to help and support mm. and i think that's that's the great that's the great bit is you don't want to just keep all this knowledge to yourself. You want to short share it, and yeah. you want to help the help the guy that's stuck at the side of the road, or that's yeah. he's got his got his mini up on blocks in his in his garage because he can't 100%. he can't finish it off. But yeah. we're really lucky that um, the, group, the group's well supported with guys that own run their own garages as well on there. You know that you can easily because I don't know it all, far from know it all. Um, but I'll try and help where I can with people, and if I don't, I'm lucky enough to be able to tag people in that run these garages and they're always good enough to give their time, even though they're busy with the garages, to come in and try and help people fix their cars without having to pay a load of money to a garage to fix it, you know? Um, so we're really lucky that we've got a good core of um, garages, garage owners on the club as well that are really willing to help people out. Yeah, I think it's important to have a mix of trades to just sort of bolster out the community and, and that must, must help it grow massively if you've got that support yeah. there in the group. You... So, Timmy, Tim, you mentioned your sort of ideal, the, the ideal build for Mini. So, what, what is your ideal Mini look like? Yeah, well, how I'm trying to get mine, I think, really. It's low, wide, <laughs> quite quick, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I mean, I've taken the back seats out of mine, uh, fitted fixed buckets in it. Um, I do daily it to work. And overall, I take the mick out of me because um, I live about three miles from work. <laughs> <laughs> so I barely say I can call it a daily, but you know, it's so personal. A car like that, with the, I have quite a low sun strip on mine, and other people don't like it, you know, because they say, you know, it must affect your vision at the traffic lights and stuff like that. So I just think, yeah, I think you just got to stay true to how you want a car to look, really. And for me, that was that was, yeah, it is what I've done. It's like low, wide, you know, as quick as I can afford to make it go, sort of thing. Talking about the R53, not many people, like the people that don't know about them. So you've got the, is it the W11 engine it? Yes, it is, Super, yeah. Yeah, supercharger. What, yeah. what do you feel about the sort of the K20 swaps and the, maybe the DC2 swaps? What, what do you think of those? I think go for it, you know, if that's what you really want. It wouldn't be for me um, because I bought the car for the supercharger wine. It, for me, it's just amazing. You know, a lot of the guys go down the turbo, turbo route with the R53s because it's not a cheap conversion but it is a sort of easier conversion than the k20s and stuff like that but um aj duffy was one of the guys there's recently he's a real track demon aj has turboed his car recently um and he's swapping back to a supercharger again um i haven't had a chance to speak to him specifically why about it but yeah just something about it i think for me with a supercharger but them guys we've had a couple of guys on there that have done it with the k20s and that yeah go for your life brilliant fun it's good to see all the diverse stuff as well and it just stems back again to your build being what you want it to be isn't it you know yeah and build, sort of breeding that creativity instead of instead of stifling it yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. do you have visions for for the um r53 club is it is any way you want to take it what do you want to do with the club in the future i mean i would like it to grow and grow really i would, in, you know in your ideal world waggling your fingers in the air sort of thing you'd want it to be your own sort of what I do for a living, really, um, that you sort of can help people sort of full time with it. Um, you know, it become like, not like a gas monkey garage type thing, but that's sort of like a brand sort of thing. And it would yeah. be brilliant for it to become a job where we, you know, we could, you know, have a few people employed and it would work out. You know, Chris and I always say if we won the lottery, then we would buy a garage together and it just build some really cool stuff. Like, but not the, just the traditional stuff, get a larder, you know what I mean? And <laughs> mad engine in it. And just, oh, really, yeah, just anything quirky, old BMWs. You know, I'd lo- I loved and regret selling an E34 535 M Sport I had. You know, old cars like that are really cool that you can't sort of afford anymore, you know? Yeah, it's, you, you, go back, you go back to the classics, which you? you go back to sort of yeah. maybe yeah, have an Escort, or definitely an E46. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You see people like, you know, that are buying R8s and stuff like that. And then I look at someone like, um, there was a guy a couple of years back, uh, Mark Wenny, I think his name was, who built a 700 brake horsepower Mark III Escort. That you, can, <laughs> you can see on YouTube that had, a, a, you know, a, a, an Escort Cosworth lump in it um, or a Sierra Cosworth lump in it. I think the same thing, really, or Barcelona Celeries. And yeah, and was wasting our eights on the strip at Santa Pod as the high, you know, running low tens um, in a Mark III Escort with steel wheels on it. <laughs> and he just think that's that to me is the epitome of cool, you know, um, not just buying a supercar and just sitting in it and pushing the pedal sort of thing, you know. No, it's, it's that sort of built, not bought. Yeah, definitely. mentality that the sort of I think the, the Fast and Furious brand really sort of pushed was yeah. that. 
that's street, not street racer per se, because it's more of an American thing, but the sort of building your car and customising it the way you want it so it does the things you want it to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's like the things of mine. Mine is the minis, R53s are getting old now. I mean, mine's 20 years old this year, but it's still nice to have the little touches that you can know. Um, with the double din unit in it, you know, a guy called Richard Everett has come up with a really lovely little fascia that almost looks OEM in the R53 that you can um, fit the double din units with, and you can have your bit of Bluetooth in there, so you can have your sort of nice music with the sort of you know, modern phones and stuff, smartphones, and it is great to just be able to sort of call people and stuff like that on it um you've got that little oh, that's sort of old school stuff but there's sort of with a few modern touches yeah and that's, that's brilliant because that's i see that making a big part in the aftermarket scene is the sort of these clubs breeding the aftermarket parts themselves because who else is going to do it yeah i mean yeah. you you have people doing and i know in the group they've got scuttle plates and sort of little engine engine covers being 3d printed which is just yeah. amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got to give Richard Everett a shout out for, you know, he's very innovative with creating stuff for the R53s. Um, and it's been a big sort of, you know, guy that's really pushed it forward with real cool little bits and bobs like this, you know, back from the originally doing the, like, you know, the G-Wing, so we could all put a G-Wing on our car so we'd look like the GP-Wing, you know. Mm. Um and, you know, Rich was a big player in all that, so I think he deserves a good shout-out for it, really, because he does really push stuff forward for stuff like that. And are there any people that you look at now and just think, sort of, you're, you're doing so much for the community, and anyone else you want to talk about, sort of, in the R53 um, space? Yeah, well, I mean, there's people like um, Gareth Barron, uh, runs GS R53 Mini. Um, the guy's absolutely insane, to be fair to, to him. He... Well, God knows what hour days he works. Um, he honestly, but was just li- trying to help people out as literally as much as he can. I'm not sure he even makes the money he really should justifiably make, you know. But it's for him, it's just very much the community, um, you know. And he'll say himself, and I'm not like there's no ego on it, and then my, my part from this. But you know, he came into the club as a as a member and an owner, and then thought he would try his luck as starting a garage, and you know. I think I'd like to think we've helped him with that as best we can, sort of thing, and it's grown massively for him. And he just he gives it all back. He really does give it all back as much as he can. Um, you know, there's just loads of people like that. Really, we've got some really kissing Chris and Katie at B40 minis. Um, you know, what I mean, they're just Chris again just works stupid hours. Um, Chris Rowe at Southwest Mini Parts. It's, you know, what I mean, they're just all good guys. That you can really yeah. just tag, tag in on stuff. And they'll just help members out as much. They just do really try and give back to the community as best they can, you know. So when it comes to your family and sort of your your son, maybe, what would you like to see him driving? Or would you, how, do you think he's got the sort of car bug yet? Or is it developing he's got the car bug. He's very strong in his own views about stuff. Okay. But, um, yeah, which is brilliant. And I love about him about that. Um, but he's very much old school as well. Um, yeah, he liked watching the car programs with me. He liked watching Gas Monkey Garage sort of thing when we used to watch it when Aaron Kaufman was on there. Yeah. Really. And then when Aaron left for me, it sort of killed it a little bit. So I sort of fell away from it, you know? Um, but yeah, he likes it. And he loves the old Mustangs, Josh, you know, and he always says that to me. When I get a job one day and I earn enough money, you know, I'm going to buy you a fastback old Mustang, you know, and yeah, we're going to go out on it together and stuff, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's great. But he, you know, he wanted a truck, 
to start off with. I don't oh, think wow. he really, I don't think he really knows where he's at at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted he wanted to try like the the Hilux and Back to the Future was one oh, of his wow. favorite. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was one of his favorite sort of cars. So I'll just be led by him really and just help him best I can with it all. Really, he just yeah, he's a really good lad and you know my daughter loves the minis as well. She's got a mini at the moment trying to pass her test. Um, so yeah, she sort of likes the mini, so she's got a little R fifty sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, but she's just sort of more out and about, like you know, you are at sort of nineteen down the pubs and stuff like that. Really, at the moment, sort of too be really too worried about cars. Um, whereas I think he'll be a lot more into it. So I do look forward to bless her and all. I do look forward to him passing his test to be able to sort of do a few more bits with him with it, sort of thing. Yeah, I think that really helps. I mean, it must it must be such a sort of something full circle thing to be able to work on work on a car with your son. Yeah. As well, and sort of be able to have that bond. Yeah, yeah, I'm really lucky. So, yeah, we're really tight, me and my son, sort of thing. So, yeah, I do look, yeah, me and my dad were never that close. So, yeah. um, it was, yeah, I tried to sort of do everything, you know, that I sort of feel like I didn't, you know, why was me, that I didn't get from my dad, really. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you sort of feel like you can, you know, where you sort of, he's gone wrong, and you can sort of learn from it and give, you're somewhat, you know, you think should be, you should do really. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, would you would you want to build a car with him? Have you got a sort of you? If you talked about having a project car to work on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you know, again, look, going back to the community, there's a there's um uh, Jack Meredith and Paul Meredith on the a real father and son thing where they started off trying with the track days of their cars together, um, their little silver mini, and um, Jack's going on to rally cross a bit now, sort oh, of thing. Well. Yeah, and his dad's like, you know fully backed him with it and as you know just letting him do what he wants with the car to build it to, to race the races that he wants to race and it's just it's really lovely and you sort of things like that you see i think yeah do you know what? i really i really like for something like that for me and josh you know to yeah. be able to do something like that yeah and it's yeah because obviously chris has um started doing more the track day side of things now with the club as well um so they we do like three or four track days with the club a year um so that's really sort of taken off for all the track boys. I'm too much of a scene queen, as my mate Bobby calls <laughs> me. So yeah, to, be, to put mine on, on the track sort of thing. So I think it'd be nice to be able to buy something that me and Josh could muck about with on track as well. And just and that's what I've sort of got my plans for the sort of next year or two, really, to be able to do that. Just buy something that doesn't really matter if you're sticking a tyre wall, you know? Um, <laughs> As much as because as my driving probably will, you know, come it's, about. It's going to have tyres on it anyway. It might as well be in the wall. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Sure. How do you think the progression of Mini has come along? Do you do you like do you agree with what the, some of the stuff they're coming out with now, or is it? Do you think it's kind of because for me, I think Mini has kind of really been watered down into this single car that either John Cooper works looks like the stock one. Yes. And yeah, well, I understand what you're saying. Actually, yeah. And yeah. the only the only defining factor now is the GP is and it's so extreme from the John Cooper works. It doesn't even look like yeah, a car. It's a marmite car, isn't it? The new GP. Mm-hmm. It really is a marmite car. I don't know if I've quite got my head around it yet at all. Um, I don't think that. Yeah, I probably would own a more modern mini at all. Really, it wouldn't be for me to be honest. Um, you know, I think, no, have you have you tried them out? Have you have you ever been in one? No, I haven't. I just don't. Yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me. I think it just goes stems back to that. If I don't like the look of it, I couldn't own it, no matter how quick or cool or whatever anyone else thought it was. It's just not for me. 
you know. I do like the idea of an M140i or something like that. Um, but, yeah, for the minis, yeah, I don't, yeah, don't, don't think it'll go any further than the R53 for me. I mean, you don't, you don't even want that supercharged wine, to be honest. It's, it says nothing enough with it itself. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the my next battle, really, is trying to persuade my wife that we need three cars so that I can <laughs> <laughs> keep the mini for the club and do the shows and bits and bobs, but get something like an M140i. She's from Scotland, so we like to go to Scotland a lot to visit and uh, get something that we can stomp up the motorway on and in that, you know, rather than her little eco sport that I'm <laughs> stamping the last <laughs> life out of to try and get it to go anywhere with four of us in there in a roof box, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, talking about the M4EI, would you want to do the NC500 or something like that in it? With that, yeah, yeah, I think it's something we'd like to do as a club, really. Um, before COVID and all that, um, we'd had to organise a trip to Nür- the Nurburgring, yes, um, for a club for, for to get a lot of us together um, and do that. But obviously, it all got cancelled. So I think you know we've not attended. I think you know last year, but before COVID, when we were attending shows, we were again really lucky you know, massive shouts to the members because they back us all the time uh, when we were attending shows. And I think, you know, 10 out of 10 times at any show we went to, we always had the largest stand. Um, just the support's been always been amazing. And then obviously COVID hit, a lot of the shows got shut down and then it's all sort of fired back up this year. Um, but I don't think anyone was really massively ready for it. It didn't feel, and I know we weren't, um, and then the prices seemed a bit inflated. And I think we've just said, you know, I'm going to do Bewley this year again, because that was an outstanding show last year. We were a massive attendance for us again. Um, uh, so we'll do that again this year. But I think you know, we're going to let it ride and just do the little local meets and stuff and then go again next year and maybe try to organise something like the, the Nürburgring run out or the NC500 and, you know, get like 20, 30 of us together and, you know, maybe do that sort of thing. Um, yeah. We did trial it, you know, just as an admin team a few years ago where we'd done a trip from North Wales to South Wales over a period of a couple of days. Not a massive drive, obviously, but, you know, rented a couple of Airbnbs and it was just 10 of us, you know, with walkie-talkies in the cars and it was a really good weekend Um, and it works really well, just sort of, you know, all of you bombing along sort of thing and, yeah, it's a good weekend. So I think we would really like to do something like that again. Yeah, I think for those organising meets, are there any sort of like tips you'd give to those guys? It's it's been brilliant with, with the club, with the guys that sort of there was all sort of I don't know if you remember from your time on there was the, with the divisions of like you know people like their little you know Southwest division or their Lincolnshire yeah. division or their you know Kent divisions and stuff like that, and it's just encouraging people to set up little local meets and one of the really good ones is the Chew Crew down in Bristol Way. With um like Reese and Laura and Sam down there, they've set up this little meal. And they started like three or four people in the car park to start off with, and I think there's a good day, the fifteen odd of them now, and they're going through you know, Chew Valley doing drive outs the weekends, organising meets at sort of you know the Thatcher's factory um, and stuff. You know, so I think just stick with it if you're gonna. You know, we'll always support you best we can if it's in the mini scene sort of thing, uh, the R53 scene. Um, by you know announcing it trying to make people aware of the meets that are going on and it might really start small and feel a little bit disheartening to start off with but i think if you keep it you know regular then people will turn, eventually turn up and realize it's a sort of a, a regular thing and yeah start attending 
then before you know it, you've got a really good little sort of subdivision of a club going and it's, it's, it works really well. We just massively encourage that to people because people don't want to be traveling two, 300 miles every, you know, every end of every month to sort of attend a local meet, you know, and it's hard because yeah. petrol costs and, you know, rising everything, isn't it, for people? So if you can set up these little local factions sort of thing like that, it's, yeah, it's really good for people. And it sounds like that's really helped the club grow as well, was the little the little local factions. And yeah, definitely, definitely. In, yeah. Encouraging that growth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're just there sort of as a sort of place where people can sort of all come to and see what's going on and then hopefully you know, see where what's local, what's good in their little local area and stuff like that, you know. We always try and point people to a, a really good local specialist or a local club or, you know, a local sort of, yeah, try and support everyone like that, really, to direct oh, people. Yeah, yeah, just so, you know, they're so such quirky little cars and people will say that they can, they know them inside out and you'll take it in there and before you know it, you know, you're a few hundred quid deep and, yeah, it's all going wrong um, because the guys don't know the cars as well as what they said they did. Putting it away from the minis, uh, I've got a couple sort of like geeky sort of questions I like to ask near the end. Um, one of them is, so you've got a three-car garage, you've got a track, a daily, and a sort of, a, like you say, a, a, a street queen. What, what, what would you pick? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, my first, my dream car is an Integrale. You know what I mean? A Lancia Delta Integrale sort of Evo 2. Yeah. Um, it would be the first car I'd buy. I had my dream car, like, without shadow of a doubt. Um yeah, a daily. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Um, yeah, I do like the M140Is. I do. You know, I think I'd like to have one, have a little muck about with it, see see where it goes, sort of with something like that. Um, yeah, um, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I think, yeah, just because I think, you know, for my son as well, I, I would love like an old sort of 69 Mustang or something like that, you know. What I mean, that you know, I know he loves as well. That would really be something that me and him could just sort of go to shows with and that together and do together, you know. Yeah, and what I mean, what would you take to the track? Any sort of modern supercars or anything? Would you Would you like to uh, no, try that out? Yeah, I don't. You know, you st- you're sticking with classic. Mm, yeah, I just wouldn't couldn't bring myself to buy anything new. See, I've never owned a Japanese car. Sort of like an R34 maybe, or an NSX, or... I don't know Japanese. Yeah, I don't know them. Again, it's so difficult stuff like that, because I veer away from tracks so much. I'd like an old, like, again, like 70s Skyline or something like that, I would love. But um, track-wise, I think it'd be interesting to buy to build um, an Evo. You know? oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you know, it could make a real sort of well-balanced track car. I think just because I'd never done it, never mucked about with the Japanese stuff. Yeah, fantastic, yeah, why not? Yeah. It's, a, it's the reliable ones. I mean, I've got a, I've got an old Civic at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, they, which are, is... they keep going though, don't they? Chris will love that, he loves the Civic. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Well, it's it's what I had to trade the R53 in for, so it's a, yeah. it's a big and pocket, but hey-ho. Um, wow. Yeah, so you have, you have one road and you have one car. What road are you driving and what are you... What are you bringing? Yeah, it'll always be the Integrale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll nice. always be the Integrale, yeah. Road-wise, I think it'd be more of a road trip. I think it would be, I'd like to 
do the trip to the Nürburgring, really, um, and go over there. And, you know, I think the drive over there would make it as, as, as great as giving it a go around the track as well would, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, that'd be it for me, really. Would, you know, something I yeah, would really like to do. What is it about the Intergalo? Tim, what what is it that I want? I thought just before we before we stop, I just thought I have to ask you what where did the um yeah, it, the love come from? It, it comes back to that. I mean, the Group B rally cars were just amazing, weren't they? I mean, they were dangerous. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> but <laughs> but for me, that yeah, I loved it so much. Just again, it just comes back to a stance. I think I really like a stance. Um, I think the the, the Integrale epitomises the bulldog stance with the flared arches. Do you know what I mean? Even the dashboard inside with the black with the yellow. That's perfect, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just lovely. And the seats in it, again, even a standard. I think it's almost a car that, I, something that I could almost, I wouldn't not, but I think it's almost a car I could not tinker around with and be happy with, you know. I think that, for me, is a, a real good sign for a car that you really love. Yeah. It's something that, yeah, you don't have to touch. Really, although I would, it still needs lower end. Still needs to... <laughs> <laughs> the wheels still need to be a little bit wider, and you know, but, things but, will things will be done to it. Yeah, but I just, yeah, it just, yeah, we have it, and the, the fact that you know, they are, you can only buy them left hand drive as well. Um, that doesn't through doesn't even bother me with it. Um, my brother owned like a um, an E thirty M three when we were young. I bought the three door Cosworth. He bought an E thirty M three. And um, yeah, that was left-hand drive because that's all you could buy them in as well. Um, and it didn't, it, yeah, it doesn't even put me off, sort of thing. That side of things, and I guess, even for the trip to Europe, it makes it even better, really. Yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, um, Tim, I just well, first of all, the, the main reason I wanted you to have the podcast is first of all just to say thank you for creating a club full of enthusiasts that really are a community and a hub for for growth and for sort of just. Um, reaching out and helping hand. So I wanted to thank you for that. And also thank you for coming on the podcast and being oh, just generally, yeah, no, be generally sort of lovely to speak to and just a lovely guy who clearly has a passion for minis and creating, creating a club worth, worth being in. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I just appreciate your time. No, thank you for watching him. And, um, all the best for the club and hopefully you'll be, you'll be hitting, you'll be hitting 20,000 members very soon. <laughs> and you, and you'll be you'll be going to Nürburgring and doing all that sort of stuff, and I look forward to maybe getting a getting another little mini and joining you. So, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, we'll say you're always you know you're always welcome. We don't have to have ex members or anything. Just come in and join in the fun. You know what I mean? There's plenty of banter on there, as, as you're well aware. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, hang around and join in the fun. No, we'll do, Tim. Well, thank you very much. Brilliant. You take care of yourself, guys. You, you too, Tim. Take care. After listening to that, I think I need to buy a mini. Yeah. I definitely messed up selling mine. I don't think I could have got any more out of Tim if I tried. It's amazing to hear him openly speak about the reasons he started the club. And I think it's an inspiration for the for the older listeners that if you have kids, spend the time. Spend the time to bond over, even if it's a car, a motorcycle, a bike, anything really. Because as, you, as I'm starting to realise that the bonds that we make with our parents over cars are the bonds that we remember most because these cars they breathe they live and they bring out that kid in us and I think that's the reason 
cars are so important to me and I'm sure a lot of the other guys as well is that it brings out the kid it brings out the playful it brings out the optimistic it brings out the ballsy and the determination and it's what inspires us to carry on modifying and making cars special to us because it's a it is an expression it's an art form and it's something that I think in a community you get to experience more of you get the people that go for crazy you get the people that go for plain and simple because it's the way they like their cars and I don't want us to forget that because if someone's enjoying their car there's no reason they can't enjoy their car that way and if you are too scared to build your car the way you want to build your car look for inspiration to other ways that people have done it take inspiration take that step and put your bozazuku exhaust in your car or cut your car in half whatever you want to do do it because you'll thank yourself later and if you haven't already give the podcast a follow email me if you want to be on the podcast or you know someone that would be brilliant the email is harry at ignitionpod.com that's harry at ignitionpod.com give us a follow on instagram at we are ignition on tiktok as well at we are ignition And you can even find us on YouTube. At the moment, it's just short clips, but I've got plans to open up to my personal side and give a YouTube a go because at the moment, it's the short clips in these podcasts, but it'll be more and it'll be a depth. And I want to build the community. I want to build listenership and I want to build something for you guys to enjoy because I'm going to say it now, it's a passion and the passion will lead to a hub for ignition listeners and ignition viewers and car enthusiasts in a general because I don't want to discriminate. Bring a car, any car, bring a bike. Because at the end of the day, this podcast isn't to inspire the car enthusiast in you. It's to, I want you to do more with your car because I know how much it's done for me and I know how much it's done for other people. So take that step if you haven't yet because I know you won't regret it. So I'm Harry. This is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please share it with three people that you know that love cars as much as you do. I would really appreciate it.